We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Aitland is intercepted by Sam Mills. Steve Smith is going to go all the way. Panthers win in overtime. Newton steps up, throws for the end zone. Olsen, touchdown! Brian Burns to the house. This one is picked again. Intercepted by Boston. Bridgewater, throw into the end zone, touchdown! Samuel still on his feet, inside the five, to the end zone, touchdown! What a play! And it is caught for the touchdown by Moore. And in the foot race, McCaffrey to the end zone. Keep pounding on three! One, two, three! Keep pounding! All right, Panthers fans, welcome back. It's another edition of the Roar Podcast with John Ellis and Billy Marshall right here on Blue Wire. Hope y'all are having a good week so far on this uh, as we come to you on a Monday night. And we have a ton to talk about, of course. Panthers have added a few players since uh, Billy and I last talked, and we're going to break that down as well as uh, all the buzz going on about these quarterbacks and more players to be looked at in the NFL draft, which is a month from today. Billy, how are you, sir? I'm good. How are you? Doing well, my man. Doing well. We've uh, got a lot to talk about here. Just uh, guess we can open up with what's been a pretty interesting free agent class so far for Carolina. You and I haven't spoken since they have put together uh, a few new pieces on defense. So I guess we can start there. I'd like to get your thoughts on what they've done so far. Hassan Reddick is in the fold now. You've got Morgan Fox. Of course, uh, they've added uh, several players, Denzel Perriman, uh, inside linebacker, run stuffer, who has played limited snaps but still impresses me at times, uh, Frankie LeVu. What are your thoughts so far defensively on what Scott Fitterer has done? Yeah, just overall, they seem to take a more kind of cautious approach. They weren't really 
diving in the market like a team such as the Patriots and all their offseason spending. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was a pretty conservative yet responsible approach, uh, mm-hmm. especially defensively. Offensively, we'll get to in a second here. Uh, but, yeah, I, I thought the signings – I mean, it, you know, for what they are, they're fine signings or upgrades too, uh, depending on how big of an upgrade they are. I don't think they're – I mean, the jump from Whitehead to – Perryman is, you know, pretty decent size yeah. upgrade, but I don't think Perryman is still probably a league average uh, linebacker. But again, you're not really paying him, uh, you know, the type of money where you expect him to play at an elite level. And then they got fortunate with the Hassan Reddick connection. And I think, you know, free agency, it, it's always so fascinating to me because for a couple of reasons, one is uh, some of the hindsight analysis that's done within free agency could be a little tiring. Yeah. Um, but because like, I feel like free agency is a lot of the time it's about relationships. Um, and yeah, like signing like a big money deal to a player, you're going to have that every once in a while. But at the same time, when you have a situation like Hassan Reddick, mm-hmm. where maybe he's not seeing the market he does, but because he has a relationship with the coaching staff, it benefits you in that regard. Uh, and I, I think that eventually money does speak, but just look at the Trent Williams situation. I mean, he had an opportunity to, to get similar money to go play for the Chiefs, which is the best organization, uh, yeah. playing for the best quarterback, uh, most likely going to be the best quarterback for the next decade or so, but he's opted to stay with the 49ers because of the relationship he's built. So for me, it's always interesting to hear um, some of the analysis and some of the grading that's done in free agency. It's a little different uh, than the draft where you have a lot more information available and it's more of a, you have a team uh, control over that uh, with free agency. Again, it's like it said, it's a free agent. And the player has a lot of control. So I never want to be too harsh on a um, organization unless you're dishing out like a crazy amount of money to like Matt Khalil, which is obviously stupid at the time. Um <laughs> But no, I thought uh, defensively, yeah, they did pretty well. And I think they supplemented their roster fine. And uh, they still have some areas to go. And the, it helps you prepare for the draft when you go into it uh, to really attack best player available. It really does. I, you know, Trent Williams, maybe he just wants to protect Mac Jones at this point, Bill. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that. Um, no, I, I thought they filled some some needs there. I mean, Morgan Fox is a – uh, I think an underrated interior lineman who's pretty versatile. I did mention him, didn't I? You did mention him, Billy. I wanted to bring that up in our, one of our past pods. He was one of the guys you had, you know, on your radar. Uh, and I was tickled to see that uh, the Carolina swooped in and got him. And, you know, again, like uh, a situation with uh, Denzel Perryman, you know, the, his his run grades on PFF match up with the tape. He's outstanding. Uh, is he a coverage guy? You know, okay, probably not as bad as to hear Whitehead, but he's probably not going to be asked to do a lot of that in this defense. And, you know, again, Pat Meyer was on the same staff as Perriman to your point. So, you know, there's connections you build, obviously Rasan Hedick, Hassan Reddick uh, going way back with uh, Matt rule, sort of the same kind of connection that Robbie Anderson had in a way that, that was a, I think not a hometown discount, but maybe just one of those deals where, you know, Carolina got a player that's on the rise that six one two thirty five is obviously very much a hybrid rusher, but he fits what Phil Snow does and I think yeah Brian Burns it'll be a great combination I don't think 
Reddick would accept that deal if it was like, I don't know, like the Bengals or yeah. the Lions or some random team. Oh, I'm not just throwing those team, two teams out there. I think because of um, you know, the connection that Matt is able to have and being able to pair with uh, Burns, it probably appealed to him. And it's only a one-year deal too. Yeah, that's true. And there, this has been the year of the one-year deal, Billy. I'm sure that has to do with the cap. Uh, there have been so many one-year deals around the league. It, it, like, uh, what's this, the kid's name from Seattle? Um, the, the defensive tackle who just signed with the Chiefs. Uh, he, he signed a one-year Jaron Reed? Jaron Reed, yeah. And, and he's a guy, you know, obviously, that, that, that Carolina was probably at least taking a peek at because of Scott Fitterer. But, again, I think they're they're pretty well set, at least on the front end of their defensive tackle rotation now. They're going to add some depth with the very versatile F.A. Obata leaving. Um, he played inside, played outside, but, uh, that's what the draft is for. And, you know, that's see, maybe later in the free agency rotation here, you can add some guys. Uh, you know, I think it was interesting what they did. Rashawn Melvin, what are your thoughts on him? Is that, is he, is he going to be a starter? I mean, he's a journeyman. He's bounced around, Billy. I don't, yeah, I don't know what probably, I think about Rashawn. Is he just depth or is he the guy that's going to put opposite Dante? Yeah, I'm guessing they just need competition at cornerback and he provides yeah. it. Um, and I guess if he reaches a level, you know, he had in the past, then maybe he uh, finds a roster spot. But, I, yeah, I, I don't think that he's someone um, that they should be fully relying on. I am a little surprised that they haven't done a lot more at cornerback. Maybe that's a position they're really going to attack in the draft. You would think, yeah. And there's certainly – Because, like, some... Rasul Douglas, is, they didn't re-sign him. Nope. They didn't re-sign Corn Elder. Nope. So you got uh, basically you sit with uh, Melvin, Troy Pride, Hartsfield, uh, Thomas Oliver, and Dante at this point. And uh, yeah, I've even heard rumors that Melvin could be shifted to safety. You never know. I mean, it, it, we'll just have to see. It, it's, it's a lot to, to figure out here. I, I wonder what they'll do at, at free safety there with, with Chin presumably moving back to strong. Do you think that's uh, a Justin Burris spot now? What, what are you thinking in terms of the, the deep middle safety there? How, how does Carolina attack that? Yeah, uh, I, I do think they're going to look at this in the draft. And um, you and I had a conversation this week, and I do know that Matt Rule is a big fan of Trevon Mooring, uh, yeah. the TCU safety. Uh, he has also made it very known during the Senior Bowl how much of a fan he was of Richie Grant, the UCF safety. So I think this is a position that they're going to um, really figure out a way to attack in the draft. Not not just safety, but also a cornerback as well. And I mean. We'll get to how they should attack the draft later, but uh, I just want to throw that out there. But, um, but yeah, I, I think that just looking at the options on the roster right now, I think that Burris would be an option um, to take that spot. It, it, I don't think Chin is a natural, like, deep safety. I think his best role is everywhere, the versatility that he brings right. inside the box and outside the box. It, it, you don't want to – pigeonhole him into one spot and that usually I think that for the development of young players you kind of want to pigeonhole them so they can kind of just make sure that they're um, learning and studying like you're kind of making sure that what they are understanding is just one uh, position so you're not giving them too much information but I feel like for Chin and for what we saw last season uh, the versatility and the ability to line up in different areas is a really uh, premium skill set that he has and not a lot of other players have. Yeah. It's a defense that continues to uh, to get stronger, and it's good to see, especially in the front seven, 
So we'll have to see how they continue to build around that. Offensively, uh, they added a few interesting names, Billy. Cam Irving, uh, former first-round pick, offensive tackle, who has uh, had his ups and downs, of course. Pat Elfline, who uh, well, I believe was second-team All-Pro as a rookie, but has sort of faded in years past, uh, at least from a PFF standpoint. And I guess on tape, some people have seen sort of lack of consistency in the pass-blocking game there. Uh, and then Dan Arnold, who's a very fascinating player, six foot six, two twenty. Hard to know what he is, other than maybe just a U tight end who is going to be a move guy. You, you you work around the offense, sort of like a Jimmy Graham type of player. Uh, what do you make of some of these moves that they've made along uh, the offensive line and uh, with Arnold? What's your impression of of this kid? Yeah, they also signed David Moore uh, David from Moore, Seattle. Right. Yep. Yeah, and they brought back John Miller, which I was happy to see. Yes. Um, so let's start with the first two moves because they made these moves like immediately when free agency started or tampering started, whatever. Um, at the time, I wasn't a fan of them. I'm still not a fan of it. Uh, I understand it. I'm just looking at how much other guards have been paid uh, and looking at how the market kind of materialized. It makes sense that the market for those two players was um, that much. I just feel like they aren't very good. So I would have rather them go in a different direction Um, because to me, when I look at a guy like John Miller, who in my opinion is a very solid NFL guard, I don't think Miller is going to ever be an all pro or he's not going to wow you. He's not going to show up on, you know, the highlight reels of pancaking guys, but he does his job. And I think that's very, um, important in the NFL and for him to only get like a 1.1 million dollar deal I feel like that's good value these other two guys I feel like they are resting on their draft status being former first round picks and getting these type of deals I mean Elfline was cut by the Vikings last year and the Jets played him for like four or five games and he was okay with them I mean he had a couple moments where he looked fine on tape uh, I know he pancaked a couple guys here and there, but just looking at the talking about the consistency, it's been an issue for him throughout his career. Uh, and the same thing with Irving, he was injured last year. So I'm not really sure what they saw in him. Um, so I wasn't a fan of those two players, but they are cheap. They do fill out some sort of rotation on the offensive line. And I don't think it's going to preclude them from, you know, young players potentially taking over their spot. If it was, a guy like if you paid like a Joe Tooney or Corey Lindsley, then though, I mean, those guys are going to be, you know, your fixture on the offensive line. But I think that these deals are essentially one or two year deals. It's not going to hamstring you in the future. Like the Matt Khalil deal did. Um, so I, I think it's whatever. I'm not going to cry about it too much. I mean, when it first happened, I was a little annoyed at it. Uh, but as the market, kind of developed and I saw other deals I was like all right fine I get why they did it um, even though I'm not a fan of either player in particular Uh, Dan Arnold I I am a fan of I actually like him quite a bit I've been a fan of his for a few seasons especially when he was on the Saints so he he uh, flashed quite a bit in preseason play Mm -hmm. and and then when he was um, playing tight end for Kyler Murray during his rookie year uh, and even last year, he just—he looks like a very natural uh, tight end. Very good fluidity. Uh, he understands how to run routes. He understands how to make cuts at the top of routes to really create separation. Um, he, he has long arms, so he's able to go up and get the ball too. Um, he's pretty athletic. I, I'm, I'm a fan of his. Now, uh, the Panthers did lose Manhurts, so I'm not sure 
I don't think Dan Arnold is that type of tight end. He's not a blocking tight end by any stretch of the imagination. No. Um, so I'm curious to see how they do um, replace Manhurts because I, I think that's a position that they use quite a bit, even though me and you didn't really like the utilization of him too much because mm-hmm. you felt like uh, you should use your pass catchers more, not a blocking tight end. Right. Um, but I'm curious to see how they, um, you know, replace that position i mean they also yeah go ahead sorry i was gonna say not to mention alex arma has walked as well and that's a that's a big development because you know you're 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 likely i know i don't know if they're going to replace the fullback position and that that to me says that maybe joe brady is looking to schematically shift back to more of the lsu model of, of getting away from some of the 21 personnel stuff they were running last year 22 personnel and even some of the 12 personnel and mm-hmm. get back to more of a four wide concept with that move tied in around. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, that's a great point. I didn't even think of that. I, I knew I, I did remember, uh, I do remember reading the news that Arma left, but yeah, Arma and Manahurt's leaving. Uh, it it kind of does leave you in a, a little bit of a, a situation. I mean, I, I do think those positions, I don't think they are premium um, areas that you need to, invest in like you don't need to use like a third or fourth round pick on those players you can probably find them in the back end of the draft or an undrafted free agency uh but yeah it's it's something that i'm going to be monitoring because armo was like sixth or seventh round draft pick too so i mean he was uh drafted and then i i think backup running back is another area i think they were reportedly in the chris carson sweepstakes and they let mike davis walk to the falcons I mean, you have a running back who I know I'm. we're seeing pictures of him training and all that stuff, but, uh, I mean, he missed, what, 14 games, 13 games last year? So Yeah, yeah um, that's scary. So, yeah, there's still a lot of work to be done on this roster, and I don't know. It, it, I, I, do you know why they released Zacher? That one, I'm kind of stra- scratching my head I, I don't know because i think you and i both liked zach a lot he came in and provided them some good you know versatility he could play the nose he, he played a little three he was able to get some penetration i thought he's a very steady guy inside it and the price was not bad either you, you're going to get him on the cheap i just thought it was a good value guy i know they got morgan fox in the mix who's a, listed as a d end on some charts here but you know he's played a lot of tackle He's a much different player than Kerr. I, that to me, right. he, he was a very beneficial piece for Derek Brown as well. I, I didn't like that move. I thought they should have kept Kerr. Yeah, I'm not going to, again, it, it's not such a, like a situation where I'm going to complain about it. Um, no, a lot I mean, of their moves have been fine. It, it's, it's free agency. They didn't do anything egregious. Um, right. But yeah, the, I mean, the three moves where I probably have um, question marks and I don't really agree with them were the two offensive linemen and then uh, releasing Zach everything else it was pretty fine i was a big fan of um, more signing fox and arnold and uh, obviously reddick was a good signing too yeah, uh, yeah no I'm, excited. I'm excited about reddick i really am because i think you know you, you, some people say it was a flash in the pan season i don't know man he's always getting to the quarterback and he's, he's getting the damn ball out too that's what i love him and he's just i mean even if it was a flash in the pan you got him for eight million dollars yeah, on a one-year deal right you're not paying four years 80 million it's you're you're getting a relatively good deal for a guy who produced uh, he had five sacks against the Giants, but he also had seven and a half other sacks uh, throughout the year. So, uh, again, he's very much a hybrid player, and you know what Phil Snow likes to do. He likes to mix it up. So, 
And he's going to be motivated because he's on a one-year deal. One-year deal, exactly. You're going to get a very motivated player. So I think you're right. Now, I mean, let, let's, let's shift to what everybody's talking about right now, obviously, is the, 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 the 49ers have obviously traded up to number three. There's a lot of, as we call it, it's lying season. It's silly season. You're going to hear a lot of rumors, a lot of bullshit that really doesn't come to fruition. And we understand that, Billy, you've been around this a long time. So you get it as well as anybody. Uh, and then, of course, Deshaun Watson situation. I, I was asked on ESPN Upstate here a couple of hours ago, would you take Deshaun Watson now if, if they lowered the price? And I said, absolutely not. They got to figure some of this stuff out legally. I wouldn't touch that anywhere right now uh just your thoughts i guess we'll start with uh the the overall draft spectrum right now in the top 10 with how this affects carolina and san francisco trading up reportedly very heavy on on mac jones that, that very well could be a smokescreen as you know what are your thoughts on what's happened here since we last spoke in terms of the top 10 yeah, I, i'm not really sure how to take all of it in i'm still trying to figure out i was watching Kyle Shanahan's press conference earlier today and I, I really couldn't get a read on it because he says that they're they're going to two more pro days I think he said he's going to Mac Jones's pro day tomorrow but then they're also setting up another pro day for Fields and Trey Lance huh. um, and I heard Schefter on the radio or not on the radio but after the trade was made that the 49ers could potentially trade up with the Jets to number two so all of it is um, conjecture. I don't think that they're trading up to number two. I think they're. I, I think they know who the options are at number three. Uh, but as it relates to Carolina, I, I think it's interesting because you and I we laid out the possibility of Teddy returning in January. I think. Yep. Uh, because we saw the roster, we understood the areas of concern, and we realized that this is not a roster that's ready to compete. Now, certainly when you have veteran quarterback options available, that allows you to kind of pivot your stance. I think that's what they tried to do with Stafford. And um, the Rams just put in a very big offer are, and that kind of led um, Matt Stafford to go to Los Angeles. Uh, so for Carolina, I think it's a couple of things because I've, I've read about it from people that we trust. Joe has written about it. Bill has also tweeted about it. The Panthers, they see two guys as franchise quarterbacks in this draft. And those are the top two guys who are going one and two um, by all indications. And then it seems like uh, someone else mentioned this is that Tepper like would have rather um, sold the entire farm for one of the veteran options like a Stafford or Watson. And now because of the situation with Watson, which I don't think is something you and I can speculate on because it's, not our job to do it. Nope. Uh, I'll just let everyone go read the reporting and yep. read any type of legal stuff that come out. I'm not going to yep. get into it. It's yep. it's up to you guys to decide. Smart, how you smart move. That's how you should. That's how you should approach this. Honestly. Yeah. So, with that being said, it just feels like to me that I've, I'm seeing Carolina. They are they are going to these quarterback pro days. They are doing their due diligence, but I'm also seeing them go all over the country. I mean. Like I said, Matt Rule was at TCU's pro day. He was at South Carolina's pro day. He's going to, I'm sure he'll probably be at Ohio State's pro day tomorrow as Scott Fitter was at USC. Um, so they are going across the country to scout talent. Um, right. And 
I don't think they're pitching holding themselves to a young quarterback uh, in the top 10. They might just have to go back with Bridgewater. I don't think that's the end of the world. I, I, I know some fans are going to hate it. And trust me, you and I, we have our criticisms of Teddy, but this roster, I'm just still looking at it. Like as much as they did in free agency, it still has a lot of areas. Like we said, uh, defensive backfield, um, interior defensive line, yeah. you know, wide receivers still. Left I mean, tackle. Left tackle. <laughs> exactly. Left tackle. I mean, they were at uh, the offensive line coaches were at Darasaw's pro day. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I just, I think there is a lot of areas that this team is, that they, that they need to address. And I don't think that um, if you're not going to get one of the top two quarterbacks, it just makes sense to trade down from eight or just stick at eight and potentially take if Kyle Pitts drops to you. Um, you know, take the best player available in that situation. Yeah, until we got around to like after Thanksgiving last year, Billy, there, there was really nobody talking realistically about Bridgewater being on the outs this year. And honestly, it was because of the way the contract was designed. We, we can't say that enough. It's a $22 million cap hit this year. He's 12% of the cap uh, allocation for Carolina right now. Now, you, you can't piss and moan about that deal over and over. I've done it, but, you know, what are you going to do? It's done. He's not going to restructure, obviously. So they're in a situation where financially they're not going to cut him. That would be irresponsible because then you're left with a $20 million cap hit. And he's not the worst thing in the world in terms of guiding you forward. If he gets, you know, gets right, like Matt Rule talked about, he needs to be stronger. He needs to get stronger and be, be a more consistent player physically, but also mentally where he's supposed to be at his best, finish games out and do things right. Don't get sloppy. Don't force it. Maybe McCaffrey helps with that. Maybe if you draft Derisaw or, 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 or one of these premier left tackles, that helps. But no, he's certainly not the answer long-term. But the, the, the plan all along, Billy, was to give Bridgewater two years. So we're right back where we started in a way. Now, things could change. The Jets could come by and say, hey, you know what? Let's work a deal. And they could sell several draft picks away to the Jets to, to go snag Wilson, who I, you know, I like. I, I like Wilson a lot. I just, you know, I don't know if anything's a sure bet right now other than Trevor Lawrence. That's just my view. I like, I actually kind of like Fields a little better than Wilson, if you ask me, but uh, to each their own on this. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I, but I think that um, Carolina, their position is probably that they have the top two being Lawrence and Wilson right. uh, based on what I've saw from Bill. Yeah. Uh, I think, it was on Friday after the trade went down and him and I kind of tweeting back and forth um, on that. And I mean, he was pretty respectful about it. He kind of welcomed all viewpoints. And I think that's the right mindset for this team and just for this fan base is to be prepared for the possibility of, I'm sure they're going to draft a quarterback like in the, maybe the fourth or fifth round um, to, you know, be on the depth chart potentially. It's not going to be a situation like Will Greer where they're going to hype him up to be something he's not. Right. Uh, but just to provide competition in some ways. So I think that Carolina needs to just keep their options open because this roster, I, I'm, I'm really just not seeing the areas where this team can get better if they're not going to get one of the top two quarterbacks. So I think the most prudent way to continue to build this team is through the draft. I mean, you're not, you we just saw what you did in free agency. You smartly did not do what the Patriots did. And everyone's talking about 
how well the Patriots did, and that's fine. I, I'm personally not a fan of just dishing out a ton of money like that to, you know, all these players. I think that you need to be a little smart and prudent um, the way you go about free agency because again, it's about familiarity. You want to bring players in who not only fit your scheme, but your culture too. I know that's a dumb buzzword, but I do think it matters. So yeah, I think that we'll continue to talk about this, but um, let's just say hypothetically, they traded down with like the Patriots, like in that fifth, 14 and 16 range. I was just about to mention the Pats at 15. Go, go ahead. Yeah, no, just the hypothetical, like they trade down like seven, eight spots. You you pick up, you know, maybe you pick up an additional second rounder, an additional like uh, third rounder in 2022, and you also get like two fourth rounders. I think that's a pretty good haul. Um, yeah. And I mean, just looking at that, then you drop down to 14 or 15, you're potentially getting – you know, one of the left tackles drops. You, I don't think it's going to be Slater or Sewell, but maybe it's maybe Darisaw is there. And oh, I know some get, people if you, are, get, if you could get Darisaw at fifteen, that would be a steal. I think. Yeah, yeah. there's some people out there who have him Darisaw a little lower than us. Yeah. I, would I think he's Paul, good. Our good. Our good friend Paul Alexander was just on moving the chains earlier, and he gave a rave review about Darisaw. I mean, he was just absolutely. I mean, I, 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 like I, I watched you and I. You and I watch the ACC a lot. I think he's a good player. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about you. I, 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 I saw him. Yeah. His he gave game. up six pressures last year, no sacks. I mean, that's damn, that's damn good production in the ACC. I mean, his first game ever was in primetime against FSU. And his first opponent, Brian Burns. Yep. That's uh, right. I, I remember that game because I think it was in 2018. So, yep. And he was fine. He was a reg, or true freshman. He gave up pressures to Burns like – Pretty much any left tackle did that season. Oh, right. um, but no, I, I like Darisaw. And I mean, if they want to go safety or corner, I don't think Sertan is going to be there. I don't think Horn might be there. If J.C. Horn is there at 15, I'm sprinting down Mint Street. Oh, I love J.C. Horn. Giving them he's that, got that He's got that Jalen Ramsey swagger about him, too. He's built that way. He's just – he's got a fierce streak to him. I mean, we've seen him play right down the road here in Columbia – and uh, he's he's a he's a great corner. I think he's got really good potential there. Yeah, and uh, I saw Trevor Lawrence was tweeting um, about how legit he is too. Yeah. So yes. if you need he any is. more um, indication about how good this guy is, I'm sure plenty of our listeners are South Carolina fans. So sure. uh, yeah, if if he's I, that's the thing, John. Like there's going to be premier talent available yeah. if. They don't go. Let's just say four QBs, or even let's just say five QBs go, like and almost unprecedented, by the way. But let's just say it happens. I'll say four, just to yeah. play a conservative. Well, it could happen. I'm saying it very well could this year, but it, I mean, it it's almost never happened that way. Miami, um, Cincinnati. Let's say they take Jamar Chase. Supposedly, Joe Burrow is lobbying very heavily uh, for them to get him back. And then let's say Miami takes Waddle or Smith. Right. And then seven is um, – who's picking seven? Detroit. They said yeah, – Detroit's sitting there in front of Carolina at seven. Yeah, I, I don't th- I don't know where Detroit – they might go uh, the left – well, they have a left tackle. I don't, oh, see, they, I don't know where they, they would go. Look, Denver could leapfrog Carolina to seven too. There's another factor. They're at nine. 
And if, they, if there's a quarterback sitting on the board, then I, I, you know, Denver has, has made it very clear they're interested in quarterbacks, even though they have Drew Locke and there's, there's a jury still out on his game. But, uh, no, I, I think Denver could, could leapfrog Carolina here. Yeah, and let's just hypothetically say, like, Kyle Pitts falls their lap. Like, really going to tell me that. they're going to pass on that? Like, Kyle Pitts is like, <laughs> he's like the second best – like, you look at all these, like – Big boards like Dane Brugler and Dale, Daniel Jeremiah, they all have Kyle Pitts number two on their big board. Like, yeah. this is a very good player. Well, NFL, uh, Zerline's latest mock has him falling to 11 to the Giants. I just don't see that happening. Uh, I think. No, if I think if Carolina is not going to take a QB, I think you, you have to replace Curtis Samuel. As much as I do like the David Moore acquisition, I yeah. think Moore is a yeah, complimentary wide receiver for. Um, wide receiver three, maybe on his good days. Um, you have to find another game changer on offense to really help out the, just the entire team. And Kyle Pitts would be that guy. And from what I heard, the previous general manager had a very high opinion of Kyle Pitts. Mm. And the scouts who were employed by that previous general manager are still in the building. So I don't know how the coaching staff feels, but it just mm-hmm. makes sense that a guy who has the talent that Pitts does can just, I mean, Kyle Pitts made Kyle Trask look competent. Let's be honest. Yes, I agree. Yes, totally. And I've heard Trask's name come up um, as a, maybe a, a second or third rounder for Carolina. I just don't think that's something I would have any interest in, honestly. Yeah. You, you know, a couple tools that are cool to use at those mock draft simulators, you can really kind of, yeah. Um, lay out different scenarios which direction this team could go in um, but I, I, I'm just I, again they could shock everyone um, well not really shock but they could still go with a QB I'm not denying that they could still trade up to number I don't think they're going to trade up to number four I don't think Atlanta's going to trade up with them even though I don't think Atlanta should hang up the phone um Everyone's yeah. saying that Atlanta can't give Carolina a franchise QB. Well, what if Atlanta gives Carolina the next quarterback that's a huge bust? Right. <laughs> I mean, they right. benefit There's from a, that too. And, and, of course, the price tag would be huge for moving up. It, Atlanta as a division rival would leverage that, and uh, they would get a nice haul out of that, even though they're only moving up four spots. Um, just to add something, I talked to a, a, an insider who was at Zach Wilson's Pro Day, somebody we, we speak to a lot as a source here, and – he said it's the best arm he's ever seen up close evaluating. And it, it, we saw, you know, obviously the pro day and some of the throws he made, but just every throw he made was just, just knocked this, this guy off his feet. Um, the frame is something that a lot of people I continue to hear about are concerned about. Uh, I saw Matt Bowen's write up a very thorough scouting report on Wilson. And that's a consistent theme I hear with not only Wilson, but, but Trevor Lawrence in terms of upper body, strength and having to, to maintain a good frame and build up bulk up a little bit for this game and I look at fields you know one thing I, about Justin Fields is uh, I heard Pat Kerwin mention this earlier and I thought it was a pretty good point he's got some of the Russell Wilson running traits in that he runs smart he doesn't take hits he's obviously can make every deep throw you can imagine that's something else I can tell you our, our sources very high on is some of the tape that, that he, he put up against Clemson. I know there were a lot of guys wide open there, but just some of the throws he made and the hits he took coming back. Um, I, I like Fields. I like Lance too, Billy, just for the pro-style offense, his cerebral play. I think he's ready to come in and play that style of offense. I just don't – with the San Francisco thing, 
And we've talked about Mac Jones. I don't hate Mac Jones. I think he's a fine quarterback. I just don't know if he's a good fit for Shanahan's wide zone, you know, boot system. He just doesn't hasn't shown enough in terms of out of the pocket. And I certainly don't think Carolina would be, you know, wise to take him at eight. I just don't. Yeah, I, I don't know what's going on with this Mac Jones stuff. I just <laughs> Chris Sims is going on. That's what's going on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even Shanahan during his presser was kind of throwing cold water at the idea that Chris Sims is his spokesperson or something. He was just like, I saw that Chris that much. He's like, we hadn't talked in a couple of years. Yeah. So Stephen Ruiz posted something where they talked last year, but it, but still, I mean, you know, I, I I don't think Sims is is you know on the phone with Kyle. Obviously, I mentioned this on one of my little periscopes that. Kyle and, and, and Chris go back. Obviously, they have a relationship and they talk a lot. But um, something to bring up, too, that, you know, Kyle's dad, Mike, you know, back during the Cutler, you know, days w- was apparently nowhere near Cutler's pro days at all. Nowhere. I mean, he was totally ignored him and ended up, you know, drafting. So you just, you don't know. I mean, just some of these things are so much of a smokescreen and, you know, you, there's a certain way to evaluate guys. Um you know, Carolina wasn't very involved in Mac Jones's first pro day, obviously. And, but they coached him at the senior bowl, so they got a firsthand look at his preparation, his mindset. So you can't read too much into this stuff, I don't think. Yeah, uh, I'm guessing they'll probably be in Columbus for Justin Fields' pro day tomorrow. Yeah. Um, for that imagine. same reason, because they've already had a close-hand look at Mac Jones, so they don't really need to go back to Tuscaloosa to get another look at him. Yeah, well, it's going to be fascinating, Billy. I'm glad we caught up on this stuff because there's so much to talk about. Obviously, the Watson thing, we'll keep an eye on it. But as you said very wisely, and this is sort of the approach I've taken, just sharing a few articles here and there is fine. But there's just no, there's I have no expertise here, and I, I know I know nothing about this situation to even touch it. So let's just let that play out and just assume for now that Carolina, like every other team in the league, is probably just pumping the brakes on that for a few months. Um, Give me a couple names. I know you've been doing a lot of evaluation yourself. You've been watching these pro days. Are there a couple names that come to mind, maybe second, third round guys that, that you could you could give us an edge on that maybe Carolina might not have an interest in, but, but you would if you were in uh, Scott Fitterer's shoes? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't think – well, the running backs coach was in Chapel Hill today, which tells you that they're still looking to – out to that position. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how you feel about that. I, I like both Williams and Carter kind of equally. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm, I'll be fine with either player. But let's just say that offensive line, they're going to roll with the talent they have now, and then maybe they'll draft a guy like in the day three or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's try to focus our um, – let's try to focus our search on maybe interior defensive line and defensive backfield. Right. Um, so I, I'm looking at, you know, the guys that they could draft in the second, third round uh, on the defensive backfield. So I really like the UCF guy and the Georgia guys too. So uh, mm-hmm. Tay Gowan, uh, he did not play last year. He was an opt out. Right. Uh, but he has the length and he's really fast. I mean, he's six foot two, little light, 185 pounds, but, uh, but he has been timed in the four threes. And I think their pro day, if I'm not mistaken, is tomorrow. I think yeah, it's think coming right, up man. regardless. Um, 
uh, and then Aaron Robinson, another player who was at the senior bowl. And I believe, yes, he was coached by Matt rule uh, and the Panthers coaching staff. Um, he was very physical at the line scrimmage of a huge fan of just his tenacity and his physicality and just the way he gets in receivers faces. So if they're going to continue to add in defensive at that cornerback position, I like Robinson and Gowan. Now I also said um, the Georgia guys, Stokes and Campbell, um, those are two guys that I think that they should have their eye on as well. Uh, both of them tested relatively well. Um, now, one guy I am interested in seeing how his stock kind of – like where his stock will be like in a couple weeks. And it's tough for us to know on the outside, but I think I have a, a general sense – that the Virginia Tech corner Caleb Farley is a guy that's probably going to drop into the second round because of the injuries. Yeah, it just I just feel it. Like I, I I've seen the same thing. We saw it with Jalen Smith. We saw it with Miles mm-hmm. Jack. We've seen it with like Jawan Taylor. We've seen these type of um, prospects who are it's a back, hyped. It's a back issue, right? So, I mean that that's scary for a corner. I mean he's a he's a long six foot two, two oh seven, and back issues are man, especially from a corner position. Are, are very concerning because I, I could see that totally being the case where he drops. Yeah. And I think uh, next week is the actual combine where I think the players are going in for medicals. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the actual combine combine, but right. Um, so safety, I, I really like Jamar Johnson from Indiana. Uh, he had two really impressive interceptions off Justin Fields uh, in their game against uh, Ohio state. Uh, he has, I think I posted a clip of him too, but mm-hmm. he has the deep range um, to really just command the back end of a defense. And I think he's an option, um, maybe not in the second, but in the third round, I think that, you know, Carolina should definitely keep their eyes open on him. Um, Elijah Molden, he has been really good this year. Uh, I'm a huge fan of just the way he plays. He plays his slot and then he gets – deep he has really good coverage skills and um, and i've already mentioned that richie grant that he they should have a, a pretty good um yeah, idea of him because they coach him with a senior ball so coach him with senior ball. richie richie's a very versatile guy and he he's probably around two three type of guy so i wouldn't be shocked there either i think you're right yeah um yeah so i don't know like i, I guess like what other positions do you think like zaven collins is a linebacker from Tulsa like I don't, I don't really see that type of player coming in for them but maybe like an off-ball linebacker yeah um, that's a p- potential and then I don't want to rule out interior defensive line um, a guy right down the road in Raleigh North Carolina Aline McNeil from NC State he's played mm-hmm. he's had a really good season um, yeah there were quite a few players that they coached the senior bowl um, that they could take a look at so I, I think one of the beneficial things about this scouting season for Carolina has been that one, they're attending all these pro days. So they're getting a close up look at these players and how they are testing and how they're moving. Cause I think it matters like maybe not necessarily the athletic scores, but right. when your coaches are running the drills, you get an idea of how these players, what their movement skills are like. And I think that is important um, when you are scouting it's not the end all be all. Of course, the tape should trump everything and then the analytics. But I think kind of getting an idea of how players move and judging their fluidity and their instincts and stuff like that, just their start stop ability, 
I, I really do think that the coaches, and they have been attending quite a few pro days, I'm just searching Twitter and going through it. Um, so that's, that's a good thing. And then the fact that they were coaching the senior bowl, I think also gives them uh, a heads up. So I think they have a lot of options. And I really think that if they attack this draft, right, they have a really good opportunity to add um, some really good talent in the years to come. Oh, there's, you know, and the year to your point, there's some really good names in those, the second and third round projected wise. I mean, I, I'm a little bit biased here, but I think most folks agree that Amari Rogers is a very good player in the slot and can give you a lot of value in terms of not not only the way he plays the game offensively, but his special teams value as well. And if Carolina is looking to maybe go back to some of the, you know, 10, 11 personnel stuff that Joe Brady has been building his name on through LSU, that might be a good guy to add to the mix. Uh, And then you've got some offensive linemen there. Quinn Minertz, you know, we've talked about him. Obviously, you've got uh, the kid from – God, his name's escaping me right now. Um, he's the offensive lineman we have talked about quite a bit. Uh, Creed Humphrey from Oklahoma. Yeah. I mean, you've got some names there, you know, it's, as well as you know, Richie Grant, who you mentioned, who I think is very much on their radar, not only because Carolina has had firsthand experience working with him, but we've talked about Matt Rule's opinion of him being very high, and they need a safety in, the, in that back end. So it'll be fascinating to watch, man, no doubt. Yeah, and um, I'm not ruling out a wide receiver in the second round either. Not at all, no. Especially, I, I think this is – well, in general, I think this is a very deep receiver class. Yeah. Um, so maybe you can get a guy like Kamari Rogers, like in the third or fourth round. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not going to be surprised if they take, like, a guy who had a pro day today, Deami Brown, like in the mm-hmm. second. So, I mean, Robbie Anderson only has, like, another year in his contract, so it's not like yep. he's a long-term fixture on this team. Totally. That, that's a great point. you got to start thinking ahead with these things. DJ Moore's got a contract coming up. Obviously, they'll re-sign him, no doubt. But um, they got to think ahead. So we'll uh, we'll continue to monitor it. Billy, good talk, man. Anything else? No, I'm really happy we did this. Spent a little bit of a, a little bit of time, but yeah, it's really good to do stuff. this again and kind of give you an update on where things stand. It's heating up, man. We got a lot to get to here. It's going to be a fun month. So uh, you and I'll be attacking it every week here, getting ready for the draft, and I'm sure we'll have a a big draft preview come draft week. So we'll uh, continue to get after it. Guys, thanks for joining us. We always enjoy it. Subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on Spotify, wherever you hear your podcast. It's The Roar right here on Blue Wire. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.